home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. <laughs> Sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. We have two very special animal guests for you tonight. Both are hairy and have teeth. Please welcome Gary Hoffman. Listen, my teens and my 20-somethings, I get it. It's cool. He's the song of the summer. Shannon Farron. Hey, how you doing, darling? Talk about a ball buster. Gary and Shannon. And we gotta do something. And we gotta do it now. So how much crossover do you think there was when it comes to people watching that game last night and people anticipating the Dancing with the Stars freaking finale? Because if I saw that alert, that crawl on the screen one more time, don't worry, Dancing with the Stars is coming on after the game. It'll be on at 9. Nobody cares. No. Not one person cares. Very, very little cross. You're right. Very little crossover in those audiences. That was an amazing... That was amazing. It was a video game. That was a video game. They told the defense that the game was still in Mexico City, so that's where the defense showed up last night. Uh, and the over-under in that Rams-Chiefs game last night was supposed to be supposed to set a record, but 60 seems really it's low. Really low when you look at these two offenses. Uh, Vegas uh, lost its ass. 105, 105 points scored in a Monday Night Football game, third most in any NFL game ever. That was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. The thing is, it wasn't even it wasn't necessarily cheap touchdowns either. I mean, the, yes, the, you know, there's obviously some problems with the defense when when both quarterbacks throw over 400 yards. Yes. But those, some of those catches were amazing. And stopping the run doesn't matter anymore. No, uh, I just wonder. As much fun as that game was to watch, I just wonder: Are we going to get bored of that? Are we going to need to see some ingenuity when it comes to defending the pass? Uh, good question. I mean, it was at one point, I want to say when it was in the 40s, both teams were in the 40s. I thought, this is like an arena league game. A little like, bit, it's, yes. It's a little too much. It was a little too much. No defense to be had. And I just wonder if that's going to get boring, if shootouts like that are going to get boring. Uh, I don't know. I still think that, I mean, it's like the, the equivalent of home runs in baseball. I mean, those are not boring. Even if you get eight, 10 home runs in a game, those are not boring. So a great catch that turns into a touchdown is never going to be boring. 
I don't know. It's a good question. Hmm. Hey, we haven't think about that for a while. We haven't had a true crime Tuesday in a while. Oh my gosh, this is a fantastic story. This is a murder that has haunted the Boston area for nearly fifty years. The murder of Jane Britton. She was a graduate student at Harvard, twenty-three years old, when she was sexually assaulted and bludgeoned to death in her apartment. This was January 1969. And like I said, it has haunted the area. A boyfriend found her body in her fourth floor apartment because she did not show up for an exam. And that was very much unlike Jane. None of her neighbors reported hearing any screams. No struggle was heard. Her valuables were untouched. And then the weirdest thing of all about this crime scene is there was a red powder reportedly scattered around the apartment and at least a few grains on her body. So I went back and I found the Harvard Crimson article from a couple of days after her murder. This is from 1969. And what's interesting is we're talking today because right about now, back east, they're holding a news conference because they say they have a a breakthrough after DNA evidence was was re-scanned. The article from January of 1969 uh, said that there would be a blackout of all future news concerning the murder of Jane Britton. This was from the uh, uh, chief of police in the city of Cambridge. And the reason why was because the police chief at the time, 1969, said that there had been inaccuracies, inaccuracies in the coverage of the killing, which was interesting because you mentioned that red powder in this article. They talk about that reddish-brown powder. They identify it in this article as iodine oxide on the walls and the ceiling and the floor in the apartment and on her body. And they talk about the reason they believe this or they describe what they think was the reason for this iodine oxide. That primitive tribes in Iran and France used to sprinkle red ochre over the bodies of the dead in order to purify them and drive off evil spirits. Interesting. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And the fact that they would release that days after the murder, even though the police department was saying, we're not going to say anything because there have been so many inaccuracies at this point. The police never identified a suspect. And this case did spark a very high-profile public records battle. As you can imagine, in recent years, amateur sleuths, people that like to do online detective work, have been trying to dig into this, trying to get copies of those investigative files that the police have kept so close to the vest. The prosecutors have refused to release much more than old news clippings, saying that the investigation remains active. There was a book due to be released on this case coming up in the next year or two. A couple of TV shows as well. Mm. Um, The other thing that was uh, significant about that uh, article from way back in 1969, again, this is just a few days after her murder. They said that they have found a, this was, again, three days after her body was found. They had found a sharp-edged stone which they knew was missing from her apartment at the time that the body was found. They refused to say where that stone was found, but this stone was a gift to this woman from a couple of friends. Uh, It was an archaeological souvenir. And the police said that she was killed by five blows to the head from a sharp object. So the assumption you could 
would probably make is that she was killed with that stone, whatever it was. And you know this is all going to come down to DNA oh, and the way they've great. tracked all of these guys these years. I love these stories. In the 1 o'clock hour, we'll, we'll go all the way through this story from beginning to end, and we'll talk about what this big announcement is today in terms of the DNA breakthrough that was made in this almost 50-year-old cold case from the Boston area. Well, the news was breaking yesterday when we were just getting off the air at 2 o'clock about this shooting at a hospital in Chicago. We'll tell you the very latest when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. We'll talk next hour, uh, the updates on the fires. Just some numbers again. The Woolsey Fire, 96,949 in terms of acreage. Containment's up to 96%, but, I mean, 1,500 structures destroyed. Now, that pales in comparison to the Camp Fire up in Northern California. 151,373, 70% containment, which is great news, but 79 civilian fatalities have been confirmed. Over 12,000, approaching 13,000 single homes destroyed. We have a sighting of Jose Huizar, city councilman here in Los Angeles, has taken his seat at the L.A. City Council meeting, marking his first appearance at a council meeting since the FBI raided his home and offices. He has not yet made any public statements. Apparently, reporters tried to get to him. He is not talking to Is them. he wearing handcuffs? He is wearing a suit, a blue oh, suit. That's strange. Would have thought he would wear handcuffs. We'll talk more about that at uh, 11 o'clock because um, Jose Wiesar has been uh, city councilman non grata lately. Uh, nobody knows where he was. A police officer, an emergency room doctor, and a hospital worker have been killed in a shooting in Chicago at Mercy Hospital near uh, Southside. It's all started yesterday right as we were ending the show. Um, guy opens fire in a parking lot. There, the, the way that was described eventually by Mayor Rahm Emanuel when he came out and gave sort of a wrap-up of all of this, there was an, uh, an argument in the parking lot of the hospital where the gunman and a woman that he was in a relationship with were fighting. A friend of the woman's tried to intervene, and that's when this guy lifted up his shirt and displayed his handgun. The woman's friend runs into the hospital to call for help, and shots are fired just seconds later with this guy killing the woman he was arguing with. She was a hospital employee. She falls to the ground, and he then stands over her and shoots her three more times. Officers show up on scene. He fires at their squad car, then runs inside the hospital. And inside, that's when all of the uh, the other shootings started. He exchanged gunfire with officers. In fact, um, one of the people that was there said that he shot and killed a woman who had literally just come off the elevator. I mean, had absolutely nothing to do with anything that was going on, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Proof to- that this could have been, although terrible, could have been much worse. Because when you just start shooting at random people, there's just no telling of what you're going to be capable of or how much damage you want to do. The uh, officer who was killed was identified as a a relatively young officer, had just joined the department in February of last year, had just recently completed his probationary period. But the identities of some of the other people they've uh, they've been sitting on for a while. They want to make sure that they get everything done. But this is I mean, this was a uh, in terms of the the. 
motive, it started as some sort of this domestic fight between this man and this woman and basically just, I don't know what the term, spilled into the hospital. Jennifer Eldridge was working in the hospital's pharmacy. She says when she heard three or four shots that seemed to come from outside, she says within seconds she barricaded the door because that's what you do and that's what you're taught to do in these active shooter drills that are happening everywhere now. She says then there were six or seven more shots that sounded much closer, like they were just outside the door. She says, I could tell he was now inside the lobby. There was screaming. Then she hears the door jiggle, and she thinks it's the shooter trying to get in. It was 15 minutes later that a SWAT team officer finally knocked at the door, came inside, and led her away. 15 minutes could you imagine that? Barricade the door. The shots are getting closer to you. And then you hear that jiggle. And then nothing for 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. Maria Correa hid under a desk, clutching her four-month-old son, Angel. She was in the waiting area of the hospital for her mother-in-law's doctor's appointment when a hospital employee tells them to lock themselves in offices. She says she lost track of how many shots she heard while under the desk holding on to her four-month-old son. Mm. 10 to 15 minutes. That is an eternity for people in these situations. I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, if you were to sit, if you were to count right now 15 minutes and then just from no. right now. I mean, you couldn't get through I 30 seconds right, of it. with Right. Um, Officer Jimenez, uh, married father of three was killed nine months after another member of the Chicago Police Department, a commander, Paul Bauer, was fatally shot while chasing a suspect in the Loop Business District. There was another Chicago police officer shot this morning, hit in the vest and injured following a traffic stop. Uh, The other details that came in this morning from this story specifically was that this gunman, a guy named Juan Lopez, uh, had been engaged to a doctor. Yeah, and, Dr. Tamara O'Neill. Yeah, so she was the one who he repeatedly shot in the uh, hospital parking lot. She was an emergency room physician. She was engaged to him for about a year but called the wedding off in September. She was 38 years old, completely dedicated to her church. She never worked on Sundays. She led her choir in church. She fundraised every year for the disadvantaged children for first, second, and third grade, all their school supplies. And then Dana Less is the 25-year-old pharmaceutical resident who was just beginning her career, said to be planning her wedding for next year, and she was the one killed as she stepped off the elevator. Uh, this guy, uh, this guy had apparently had some complaints lodged against him before. He, uh, uh, they said that he had been the subject of a complaint that he was incessantly texting a woman and refusing to stop. The woman apparently called police, tried to get an order of protection from a judge. At this point, we're not sure if she, in fact, did get that, but he was not criminally charged at the time. One of the police uh, department spokespeople also said that he did have a permit to possess a concealed firearm, but they're not sure if they knew about that 2014 complaint when the permit was granted afterwards. So another uh, loophole that this guy was able to exploit and carry a gun. Who misses the Hillary Clinton email story? Lock her up.
Well, we've got 2.0. Ivanka Trump apparently sent hundreds of emails last year to White House aides, cabinet officials, and her assistants using a personal account, many of them in violation of federal records rules. Wouldn't there have been a, wouldn't there have been a meeting at some point after her dad gets, uh, gets elected where, okay, guys, so we're going to talk about our transition. Hey, just a note, since every time we held a campaign rally – the crowd chanted, lock her up. Let's make sure that we send all of our emails through the appropriate email here's, servers. Here's the thing. With smartphones, I have two different email accounts. I have no idea which account I'm sending things from most of the time. But if it was, if there was the potential for you to be charged with a federal law. crime, you'd just, probably pay more attention to it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I, these stories to me are just ridiculous. <laughs> we'll talk about ridiculous stories when we come back. Oh, wait. The president just pardoned the turkeys, peas and carrots. So which turkey? Oh, so they're they're cool. They get to go yes. live yeah. in Vermont somewhere. You know peas, peas was number one. Oh, carrots was the alternate. That's fantastic. But he did make a joke. He said House Democrats may subpoena them. That's like Monica's joke from yesterday about Forrest well, You know what? We don't Jenny. need to rehash. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Be careful with your email servers when we come back. Love you, Monica. John had a colonoscopy on the air. I know, but I don't think that's... No reason why you couldn't have a vasectomy on the air. Do you stay awake? Do it for the show. Do you stay awake? You could. (laughs) I smell smoke. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Why am I sweating now? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so at the top of next hour, we're going to try to answer the question, where in the world is Jose Weizar? Showed back up at the city council meeting today for the first time since... The FBI raided his office. Um, We'll also talk about people moving back into Malibu. Some evacuation orders have been lifted up in Northern California as well. So we'll talk about that. And then that story about vasectomies becoming a guy's weekend. Like a snip party. Snip, snip party. I don't think. It's what they do. What they do. I don't think men like to hear that S word. Snip? Yeah. Blake. Just recoil. What, what does Blake know about vasectomy? I'm actually not. Yeah, no, I've, I've got I've got a couple decades. I'm all right. I'm good. He's got a lot of babies to make. I know. Oh. I can't wait. I can't wait till we have You're our first fill, show baby. Fill a quiver. Something like Did that. Did we get to pick the middle name? Was that no, we, the agreement? No, we agreed on nickname. Oh, uh, And okay. you said, so I can call the baby Shannon? <laughs> that sounds about right. And I said, yeah. Ivanka uh, Trump is in the hot seat this lock morning. Lock her up! Is that what they're going to yell? Yes. Lock her up. Apparently, she sent hundreds of emails last year to White House aides, cabinet officials, and her assistants using a personal account. Yes, many of them in violation of federal records rules. Democrats on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee are planning to look into this to determine whether she violated federal law. Where do you come down on this? I mean, what this is a... This is the weirdest thing to me 
I know it looks horrible because of the optics of Hillary Clinton's emails and the private server. Yeah, but those were classified emails. That's the the problem I had with Hillary is she's either doesn't care enough about classified information or she's too dumb to know that she's sending it to uh, using the wrong servers. There's right? a third option, either, which is that she doesn't care. That's what. No, either she doesn't care or she's too oh, dumb. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this, what, what's in these emails? I, I doubt, I mean, how classified could this information be? Is it, cla- I don't know. Well, the her, a lawyer, sorry, a spokesman for the White House Ethics Council, a guy named Abby Lowell, um, the lawyer for Abby Lowell says none of these messages contained classified information. Although they were sent to five different cabinet agencies that or at least that's where they got the information was these five different cabinet agencies that had emails from Ivanka Trump that was sent from Ivanka and Jared dot com, whatever their private server is. Um, But when you look into this even more, yes, there are people who are surprised by the number of emails that were sent using these personal email accounts and they were surprised at the number of it. Her response, that's Ivanka's response, was, I didn't know some of the rules. This is where it frustrates me. I, I don't think this is a giant deal. I don't think she had access to the type of classified information that, say, the Secretary of State did while she was uh, Secretary of State. But you have to remember, the majority of the attacks against Hillary Clinton in that campaign were that she was careless with classified information. And then lied. And then lied because about the classified information. Because she did say and double down on it, I never sent classified information. Right, and that the FBI... And there was 110 emails that contained classified information. Okay, so so let's, 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 let's get all that in context here. Why did nobody, why did nobody in the transition team tell everybody in the transition team, hey, we don't want to... We do not want to step on that landmine. Let's make sure we only use government servers, government email addresses for our professional correspondence. Let's yeah, it just, should just... have been it should have been a conversation. It shouldn't even have had to have been a conversation following the Clinton debacle. Hillary Clinton should have still had a spit anger spit on her mouth from the election when that notice went out to everybody in the Trump transition team. Do not do this. We will look like complete idiots if we get caught sending personal, uh, sending emails about government business on our personal email account. Donald Trump used this as one of his main talking points as he ran for president, saying that Clinton's corruption is on a scale we'd never seen before. The email use, the personal email use was bigger than Watergate, he said. And of course, the supporters continue to chant, lock her up. I saw a lot of... um liberals on Twitter today saying things like, uh, now you, now do you realize how ridiculous it sounds when you say lock her up? Okay. I think we're the, talking about you, apples we, we are, and oranges. We are talking here. about apples and oranges. This was, a, this was a public server. They set this up at Microsoft.com. Where did it go? They, uh, they, the Microsoft system in December of 2016, so this is after the election, before anybody took office, and before Jared Kushner officially joined the White House. Ivanka and Jared set up this domain, ijkfamily.com. Might want to do a quick check, make sure you didn't get any emails from her. As they were preparing to move from, uh, move to Washington so that they could do this. According to the people familiar with this review, and again, this was after a lawsuit went through and they got it from all these different agencies. 
She used her personal account to discuss government policies and official business fewer than 100 times. Not 1,000, not 3,000, not 30,000, fewer than 100. Is it excusable? No. I think it's stupid. I think it was ridiculously stupid that they did this, that this happened. But it is definitely not the scope. It is definitely not the subject the subject matter of why Hillary Clinton was criticized for her use of a private email server that was never turned over. That's keep it in context when we talk about it. I just don't want to go through a whole new news cycle about private servers and public servers and emails and what was in the email and what was sent. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a much ado about nothing. I can't wait. Oh, really? I can't wait. I don't believe you. I think you're talking about cranberry sauce right now and not about an email news cycle. Oh, God, that sound effect you made when recording your love for cranberry sauce? That was gross. I know. But it's perfect, isn't it? You know exactly what I'm talking about. you got to crack the bottom of that can, too. Because if you just hold it, if you're just going to, you're sitting there forever. You just hold it upside down. you got to pop a little air in that bottom of that can. All right. Pop air in that bottom. Blake, you're gonna have to. How about some? Uh, isolate that, and we'll we'll do tear in the sky. Coffee sides. was strong today. Yeah, what's in there? Wrong in rum, this rum, 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 rum. Oh. Apple whiskey. Tear in the sky. <laughs> Can't when wait we come to back. talk about emails over Thanksgiving dinner. How's the family doing over what's there? Happening. Yeah. All right. Gary and Shannon. We're hearing more about the man who opened fire at that hospital in Chicago's South Side yesterday, killing an ER doctor, a hospital worker, and his former fiance. He was kicked out of the city's fire department academy after threatening a female cadet. This was in 2014. Apparently, he shot Dr. Tamara O'Neill after demanding she return the engagement ring. He also hit a shot and killed a police officer and a pharmacy worker at that hospital as well. <clears throat> the president says that he is not going to levy any sort of additional punishment against Saudi Arabia over the killing of the journalist, the Washington Post writer Jamal Khashoggi. He said in a statement that the U.S. does not condone the killing, but that foolishly canceling $110 billion in arms sales uh, would mean that Saudi Arabia would go to other countries to get those weapons. Uh, he also said something along the lines of uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't order the killing uh, in the context of the Saudi crown prince. So. Got a couple stories here. One involves a naked pilot. You know what that means. <sighs> Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this money to it's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. You look at this guy's mugshot, and he looks like a guy that would get drunk and naked, doesn't he? Captain Andy. That's his name. Captain Andy. Captain Andy. Andrew Collins, 54 years old, charged with indecent exposure after he was said to have stood naked in the window of his 10th floor Western Hotel room at Denver International Airport. At the Wait, airport. that's illegal? 
You can't stand naked in front of the hotel window? Well, uh, there were witnesses who said that he was dancing and gyrating and waving while he was doing that, knowing and knowingly and willfully exposing himself, according to Denver police. Oh which come is, on! This which isn't is different that bad. than accidentally walking by the window with your with your uh, giblets so hanging out. So he had music on and he was dancing. No, he was not dancing. This is ridiculous. I think that this this is uh, this is a witch hunt here. So, so you're at Denver International, you and you're walking never... down the terminal. I didn't say I've never stood naked in a hotel room and danced. Hold on a second. These are windows that look out over the concourse at Denver International, okay? This is not, like, me. Do we need this much information? Not like you at Morongo standing on that Right, where no one can see me but the people passing on I-10. I like that Captain Andy provides a defense and Shannon's not even using that one. What's his defense? That he didn't, he wasn't, he says, yes, I was standing nude in front of the hotel window, but all I was doing was... Talking on the phone. Yeah. I'm with this guy. I get it. (laughs) The police report says the suspect did open the window to his hotel room, which overlooks the hotel plaza and in full view of the public. Did stand in in his fully nude, exposing himself and his genitalia to the general public. Listen, you're traveling, you're a pilot. Mm -hmm. Those hotel rooms are your bedroom, mm-hmm. and if you can't be naked in your bedroom, where can you be naked? What's the defense for the touching himself part? Well, sometimes men need to adjust things, right? Not when they're naked. Yeah, not when you're naked. Really? Usually it's because there's a, there's a fabric issue. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was just like mindless, like he didn't even realize he was... He was right. Like he a was... three-year-old when they're just learning it's there kind yeah. of? Maybe he had an wow. itch. Maybe he had an itch. Captain Andy, you know, was taking care of... The niches. Yeah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, for the flight deck, this is uh, Captain Andy. We're going to be cruising today at about 35,000 feet. And uh, if you look out over the uh, port side windows, that's the left side. For those of you on the right side, you can check through the left side windows. You can see my uh, you can see my twig and berries <laughs> hanging down off that wing. I'm just have an enjoyable flight. We'll be there in about uh, 45 minutes. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> I'm going to take my pants off and sit in this uh, beautiful sheepskin seat for the rest of the flight. Thank you very much. I mean, as long as he gets us there safely. Seriously? You don't care if his pants are on or I not? I do not. You don't think he's pantsless in the cockpit, Your you? Your bar, <laughs> your bar for pilots is so low. It's amazing. Get me there in one piece. You can do it without pants. <laughs> All right? Never mind. What is this story? Oh, this is fantastic. Passengers on board a flight from Beijing to Poland were asked to fund the repairs on this Boeing 787 so the plane could take off. Listen, I know this is a very American-centric thing to say, but who goes from Beijing to Poland? Is there a lot of business going on between China and Poland? I I, I don't know. I guess. It's just a, a... Sure, why not? I can just tell you I've never searched uh, Travelocity for a flight from Beijing to Warsaw. The mechanic, Warsaw's beautiful. I was thinking about going there next year. Um, The mechanic who had been employed to fix this uh, faulty hydraulic pump demanded that he would only take cash as a payment. Okay. That's fine. No. What do you mean no? That is not fine. 
He refused to accept a bank transfer and insisted on cash, claimed that the, the crew from the flight managed to scrape together about 2,500 RMB, or uh, 280 pounds, great British pounds, um, from passengers on the plane for repairs. It took about 10 hours for them to fix this hydraulic pump. See, and you were making a big deal about the pilot that didn't wear his pants. This is a big deal. That was not. Listen, one guy's hydraulic pump is hanging out, and the other one is faulty. There's a, there's a very large difference between those two. Hey, Nick said, Nick said cockpit. Yeah, he did. No, he said, what was that hey, line? I'm just, you're, I'm just talking to one pilot what, to another. What was the line? I said, Wait. you don't think he's pantsless in the cockpit. That is a good line. That wins. Not. That wins the day. He's got to have both hands on the yoke. Blake, hit the, the that thing plane. that makes this stop. Yeah. The thing that puts a wall up. A conversation. Handy. We need to like a, hit the we need thing. a roadblock here. Yeah. The one that. Yet yeah, do yeah, it. That one. The, oh, okay. In the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to revisit this great cold case out of the Boston area. Uh, A student at Harvard was killed back in 1969, January of 1969. And today they announced a break in this case. Uh, DNA, once again, the key to solving this case. So we'll talk about that in the 1 o'clock hour. Well, a lot of eyes on the city council meeting in downtown Los Angeles today to see whether Jose Weizar would show up. This is following the FBI raiding his home, his his two offices. Andrew Mullenbeck is there and joins us now. We had a sighting, yes? Yes, we did. He did show up. He was one of the last council members through the door. He took his seat without saying anything to any of the other members when he walked in. He had a shoulder bag on uh, on him. He took his seat. He had a staff member talking with him. He sat there through the pledge and one of the first presentations, and then he bolted. Uh, He went to one of the side rooms, kind of a back room off the council chamber, and he spent, by my calculation, about 20 minutes in there. And we were told by staff that, He was actually listening to the meeting or monitoring the meeting from this back room rather than being in the council chamber. And for a while, we were told that uh, that's where he was going to stay, that he wouldn't be coming out for the rest of the meeting. So there were a number of reporters in the hallway there. And then we were told by, you know, some of the LAPD officers who just do security around these council meetings. We were told that there were so many reporters in that hallway that we were kind of uh, obstructing. So if we could just move along. So we kind of went to another room, and as soon as we did that, uh, Councilman Wiesar went back into the council chamber uh, where he is now. So he is once again seated in the council chamber. Again, this is his first meeting in a week and a half since the FBI executed those search warrants, but he is here. As far as I have seen, he hasn't said anything to anyone apart from one staffer that he has with him, and his office still has no comment. What do we know about the FBI raids? Nothing. Well, it, it, <laughs> we, we don't know anything about what it is they're investigating. It's still under seal, so uh, they haven't said anything. And, of course, uh, Councilman Wiesar's office and his lawyer have said nothing. Uh, originally, the very brief statement that they put out was that they were 
assessing the situation. I, I presume that they have assessed what it is, but of course no one else has said uh, what the nature of this is. Whether it has any connection to a couple of lawsuits filed by former staffers who allege all sorts of impropriety, whether it was office relationships or even scrubbing his public calendar to hide who it was that he was meeting with. Those are some of the allegations in those lawsuits. But even that would sort of be shocking if that would lead to an FBI investigation. So it is unclear what it is that the FBI is looking into. Uh, They did haul away boxes of, of items from his home. Some of his offices appeared to have at least a computer, some electronics. But again, what what the FBI is going for, we don't know. In the background of this, we know that his wife, Rochelle Wiesar, is expected to run or has announced a run for right. his seat when he's um, uh, when his term expires in 2020. 2020. Yep. Uh, now, she also resigned from a city commission this week, but we're not quite sure or last week. We're not quite sure if it was just a matter of course. You know, if you're going to run for public office, you step away from that kind of a responsibility. Or if somebody got into her ear and said, hey, we need to keep this low profile. Let's stay away from city commissions. And both of them have been very low profile. Uh, The last I checked, I haven't looked today on her social media accounts, but uh, she hasn't said anything since the FBI executed those search warrants. So they've tried to stay alive very low. Uh, No public appearances that we've seen. Of course, he skipped uh, more than a week of council meetings. He's been stripped of his committee positions. Uh, So his calendar really has cleared up a bit here (laughs) at City Hall, but uh, he is now back today and uh, keeping very quiet. Uh, you posted a picture on Twitter at Mollenbeck KFI, and it appears he has a fortune cat on his uh, podium there. And I was trying to think whether I've seen that before, and I, I don't remember. Actually, I posted a picture. You can probably look right now if you still have it up. I posted a picture of his empty seat last week. <laughs> I don't know if the... Okay, I'm yeah, looking I know. it up. This, this is really, uh, really insightful a, stuff a, that I'm putting up a, there, huh? a, a picture of an empty chair. A fortune but I did post a... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I took a picture of his empty seat last week when he, he missed out it's on this. It's there. The fortune okay, cat so is it, there. Okay, so as it, well it is as not the new today. Stay Woke mug uh, that his neighbor has there. Uh, the fortune cat, by the way, is known as the Maniki Nico in Japanese. Excuse me for... Um, screwing that up pronunciation-wise, but it means beckoning cat. And the cat has its paw raised as if it's waving in good fortune for its owners. We have one of these. I get, I'm going to get rid of that cat because he had the cat before the FBI investigation. Didn't work? And it did not work. Uh, yeah, ours is gold, though. The, his is white, it appears, uh, in the picture. This is, um, I wonder if there's a difference between gold and white. I want to know uh, what comment. I mean, we don't expect him to make any comments, right? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it, it was just a, the interest this morning was whether he was indeed going to show up today. Because oh, last I got, week. I, I got a clarification. Uh-oh. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. The white cat mm. is all about, uh, where did it go? There was a clarification. Oh, happiness, oh. purity, and positive things to oh, come. Is, the gold is about wealth. That is so nice. Sorry, Andrew. I once took a flight that was Hello Kitty themed. <laughs> I'm jealous. I used to love Hello Kitty. Is Gary going to make it in there? I don't know. I Where was the flight that, to? I just want to play that over and over again. Blake, we're going to pull that. And we'll play it every break from the from this day forth. Where was the fight to? Decree. Taipei. 
Oh, okay. Well, of course it was to Taipei. I mean, it's not going to be to Tempe. Well, I don't know. The Hello Kitty plane doesn't discriminate. It it came with some playing cards. (laughs) What else? (laughs) Tell us more. I I believe a, a cookie as well. We love you, Molly. Hey, wait. Hey. Uh, but just to clear up, Jose Wizar is in city council chambers. He does not have handcuffs on, and we have not heard a word from him. And that is all true. Uh, thanks for saving this. And uh, again, <laughs> and again, the, the last time we heard from the FBI, they said that that no arrest was forthcoming, at least at that stage. But uh, yes, he uh. is. Right. In the council, not arrested. Furthermore, I'll have you know that you could take the Hello Kitty flight from L.A. to Chicago. Gary. Oh. Well, let... Maybe Tempe next week. Here, hold my bag. Andrew, thank you. All right, you got it, guys. Listen, it's All a right. holiday yeah. week. This is a We're a little loose. And, yeah. A little loose. Feel bad for anybody who has to talk to us. Well, we're going to be talking to Chris Ancarlo coming up later in the hour. But bad coming up too. next, can PG&E survive the campfire? Yeah, they'll just pass on all that liability yeah. money to the ratepayers. They have a forty million uh, person cushion that they're going to be landing on. They'll be fine. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Oh, Monica the lingerie Rex. story oh, sorry. too. What? We have to get to the lingerie story as well. Oh, the fire lingerie. Yes, got it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Please don't Do you see this uh, Republican leader, uh, county chairman in Ohio, saying that the California wildfires are God's punishment to liberals? Why do we even pay attention to people who say stuff like this? He posted posted it yesterday on Facebook, and apparently it's caused a big fight, right, between Republicans and Democrats in that county. People are demanding his resignation. Cleveland.com decided to report on this and said that he took down the post but then repeated it on television. <laughs> okay. America. Uh, America. We've been watching Wall Street. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down more than 500 points right now. Mostly tech stocks uh, have been dragging them down. But we were also watching uh, PG&E stocks. They're actually at uh, $23 right now. They're up about 2% today. But when you look at how things went, from before and after the fire, the campfire up in Northern California, PG&E stocks are down uh, almost 50%, I think it is, from before the fire. And they have made some of that money back since they've at least the, – the head of the California Public Utilities Commission apparently said he does not want PG&E to file for bankruptcy because of the fire. Hey, thanks a lot, Michael. Appreciate that. The question is – are they going to be able to survive this? Is this utility, one of the largest in the country, one of the largest in the world, is it going to be able to survive what will be billions and, I mean, tens of billions of dollars maybe? Travis Miller is a utilities analyst at Morningstar Research Services. He says PG&E faces a very rough road going forward. He says the market is pricing in billions of dollars in liabilities, and we think that's still a legitimate assumption even after the comments from uh, from the company saying it's going to be fine. Well, there's a few different options from all of this. We don't 
listen, we're assuming, and I think it's a pretty safe assumption, but we're assuming that the campfire was started by PG&E lines way out there in Polga. And if that's the case, as we assume also that they were probably responsible for the Tubbs fire in Napa and Sonoma counties last year, safe assumption as well. But until it's official, until those investigations are complete, we don't really know how liable PG&E is going to be for these fires. But if they are ultimately found responsible, uh, they're puts into play inverse condemnation where PG&E can help be held, be held responsible for these things. And then the new state law gets set into motion. Right. This, this was SB 901. That would allow PG&E to issue bonds paid off by who? By who? By you to cover the costs of wildfires over time. And that, of course, would be the same fix if they want to do it with um, with the campfire. They could also potentially change the way we apply that in- inverse condemnation. But at this point, it doesn't look like state lawmakers are interested in that. So that's one but if, thing if is they PG- issue bonds. If PG&E goes into bankruptcy, what does that mean for ratepayers? Well, that, that's... You a- know, it's, it's a... It's, is that the... Is it the lesser of two evils that they don't go into bankruptcy? Maybe. I mean, they've they've gone bankrupt before. They they filed for bankruptcy in two thousand one, back in our uh, energy crisis, in an attempt to recoup some costs there. But without some protection from lawsuits, they could try to do this again. They could try to uh, seek protection from creditors once again. So the then the last, and I think the least likely, but the last option would be to break it up and to make PG&E into several smaller utilities so that uh, each individual area has service tailored specifically to how they use and need electricity but most importantly is the infra- most importantly yeah. would be infrastructure depending there. on the cost that certainly looks like the most attractive option uh, Butte County Superintendent speaking today by the way saying that yeah kids are still out of school up there and they've got a goal of December 3rd to get kids back into the classroom. Rain is forecast for tomorrow, which will be help. It's a it's a help and it's a hindrance because it will help knock out whatever's left of that fire, but it will make it more difficult to locate victims with this already the deadliest fire in state history. The death toll at 79 people, hundreds more are missing and the rain could very well wash away that DNA and make uh, remains harder to find. There, there's going to be people they never find. It's just the fact of the matter. Um, and we mentioned this yesterday, but the the potential for this storm that's rolling through California, it's going to hit. I mean, we're going to see some rain most likely late tomorrow night into Thanksgiving morning. They're going to start seeing rain tomorrow afternoon. And by Saturday, they could get four inches of rain, which is incredible in terms of a one storm total for that area especially considering they haven't seen rain for 200 plus days so that is uh that is not good news well this was an odd sight uh in the Woolsey fire area uh a man was seen leaving the area wearing some stolen lingerie ah this is the uh for some reason, this reminds me of a uh, Scooby-Doo episode where the guy is in the bathroom at Old Meadows Park. And when they found a bunch of women's clothing in the restroom there, employees reviewed some surveillance footage and saw a man walking in and out of the bathroom, nay, 
I would say, parading in and out of the bathroom wearing nothing but women's lingerie and, and, and an ankle monitor. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. Every day there's a new corner of the dark web, yep. it seems like. Nick shows it to us every day, it seems. I <laughs> did not know that this was a thing. I mean, I can understand cross-dressing. That's been around, you know, since the dawn of time. But uh, the lingerie side angle there. I, I don't know how you do this. but this When you dressed up as Marilyn Monroe for Tim Conway Jr.'s birthday, right. did you wear undergarments? Yes. Ladies are undergarments? No. Okay. <laughs> Ask, and by the way, I have a witness. Conway knows. He saw everything. I mean, I, everything oh, that I was no, wearing. I wow. I remember everything seeing I was wearing. the look on his face. Right. Let's just say that uh, he took a flight on a Hello Kitty airplane one time. Captain Andy. Where are you going? Are you going to find Conway and ask him about my underclothing? There's a lot of talk about naked people on today's show. When we come back, uh, Chris Ancarlo, not naked, is going to tell us about how the <laughs> repopulation efforts are going, getting people back into the fire area. Have we Fuck. confirmed that, though? What's that? Are we sure he's not doing the report from home or something? Yeah, he's we don't know. from a hotel room. Oh, confirm the pants thing? Yeah. 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 I'm just going to make a, an assumption. I'll text him right Chris now. He's from Philly. He's used to much Chris colder winters than this. is a professional. He would never do that. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. We've been watching uh, Wall Street. The Dow was down more than 500 points. Uh, down 460 right now. Tech stocks are leading. We'll see where this ends up in the next 90 minutes before uh, before Wall Street closes for the day on this short week, which is usually pretty good. Usually, this short week of Thanksgiving is good in terms of uh, in terms of stock prices. But also keeping an eye on the weather. Obviously, we are expecting some uh, some amount of rain late tomorrow night into uh, Thanksgiving morning which could be some problems. There's a significant amount of rain that's expected up in northern California at the scene of the uh, campfire up there. But uh, some good news, we have seen some people be able to move back into areas of the Woolsey Fire. Now that we're in uh, 96% containment, I think it is, in terms of uh, making sure that that fire is uh, soon uh, completely surrounded. Yeah, areas that are beginning to recover. However, now they have to prepare for the possibility of mudslides with a number of sandbag distribution centers opening in L.A. and Ventura County. Chris Ancarlo is covering this for us and joins us now. Uh, people getting ready for this, filling up the uh, sandbags there? Exactly right. It's uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it yesterday as I was standing next to a big, huge pile of sand. It was kind of like the water cooler of an office because you would have people from all around the community coming to fill up those sandbags and then sharing their stories amongst each other as to you know what happened. Hey, is your house still there? Hey, how's your family doing? And then passing along you know any kind of rumor that they've heard along the way. Um, and it, it was just a fascinating experience to be a part of. Uh, and on top of that, you have people that are coping with you know incredible loss and doing so in in unique ways some of them just going down there and filling up sandbags for other people because of the fact that they 
you know, don't really have much of a property left there to, uh, to save. There was one woman who I talked to off tape, um, and, you know, she had lost her house and she was just talking about how, uh, you know, I'm just going to fill up as many sandbags as I can because what else is there to do at this point? So that's, that's part of what's going on. All of, I think it's next to each of the fire stations. They're dumping out uh, the big piles of sand there in the affected area, uh, stretching from Malibu all the way back up to Agora Hills and then back, uh, back into Ventura County. And so people are preparing right now because obviously rain is in the forecast. Uh, now officials that I've talked to, they say prepare, but you know, off tape, they're also kind of saying, uh, I don't know if there's going to be quite enough rain to trigger a slide, but we've got to be wary about these things, especially in a place like Malibu, especially, you know, all these Canyon roads connecting the 101 on down to PCH. It's just the gravity will do what gravity does combined with the, the lack of plant life. And that that's the concern right now. Yeah. And we learned, I mean, earlier this year when the uh, slides hit Montecito after the, uh, the, the Thomas fire that we can't just assume that the the ground is going to be able to handle it. I mean, they ta- they point out specific areas like Little Sycamore Canyon where they don't know. I mean, even if we don't get a whole lot of rain, it doesn't take much to cause uh, some amount of mudslide, which then, as we know, can get worse and worse as it comes down the hill. Yeah, there. I mean, there are so many factors. You're right on there, Gary. There are so many factors that go into play depending on where you're at. And so generally speaking, they look at a half inch per hour of rain as being the threshold to create the conditions for a slide in most cases. But there are other areas where it could be far less rain that could cause a slide. And the reason for that is the steepness of the slope or perhaps the um, the combination of soils that exist there. Uh, and it could also have to do with the history. And that's one big thing that uh, that officials have been looking at is the history of slides throughout this entire burn area. Because Places that have slid before are more likely to slide again. And you saw what happened, what was it, a year and a half, two years ago up on uh, on the one um, where you had uh, Big Sur basically disconnected from civilization for, well, it was like six months, seven months before they could get uh, a road built through there again. And, you know, a very similar sort of situation for a lot of Malibu where, you know, it, it, the road is right up against the mountains and it's so steep there that if there's a slide people are going to be disconnected for a long long time and that was an anxiety that was shared by a lot of people that i talked to as they're filling up those sandbags hey we could be on our own here for a little bit hey congratulations by the way um you know the eagles lost this week i don't know if that's wow the eagles (laughs) is where your mind goes to fan it hasn't even been a week the baby is not even a week old no guys thank you very much it is uh it is an exciting time and a sleepless time and i was going to ask how you're doing on the sleep (laughs) you sound like you're making sense I uh, I am surprised at how much sense I'm making right now. It helps to have in-laws in town kind of helping with, with the with the baby. It also helps to um, have a second child and you actually know what you're doing. Whereas with the uh, the, the first kid, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of stared at her like 3 o'clock in the morning trying to be like, hey, baby, stop crying, stop hey, crying. Baby, that didn't work. What do I need to do here? Uh, are you wearing pants? Oh, we have to do a quick pants check. Yeah, let's do a pants check. we do a check. quick gas pants check? Pants. 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 All right, Chris. Check. You're the no. You got to say pants, <laughs> unless you don't have pants on. Yeah. If you're not wearing pants, pants, that's fine. There's no shame in that game. New baby, the whole bit. I don't think he's wearing pants. 
Well, listen, guys. Uh, sometimes when you report, you end up you end up having to slog through all sorts of stuff, and you know mm. it's just sometimes easier to go without pants. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, stop like your eye pants on, guys. I just I have pants on. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Of course, anytime, guys. I really right. feel bad for everyone coming on the show that's, today. Yeah, it's a rare form day. We uh, we do have information, by the way, of those evacuation areas that uh, the evacuation orders that have been lifted. If you want to go to the website at kfiam640.com, ways that you can check, of course, to see if your home, if for some reason you're still evacuated, your home is one of those areas that you can get back into today. Chances he yelled that because he was in a school zone and didn't want any confusion. I my my money is on the fact that he is in his vehicle outside his home and not wearing pants and and has little baby barf did he go all over his did he it's kind of like a baby when you just leave the baby in a diaper and don't bother putting pants on the baby because you know those pants are going to be coming off when he you... went front door to car no pants is what you're saying yeah mm, possible. Oh, possible you know in Philadelphia people do all sorts of crazy stuff <laughs> like ignore the birth of their children in deference to the the latest Eagles game. Yeah, especially considering the state of the Eagles. <laughs> All right, when we come back. Dark times. Speaking of the Eagles, uh, last night, an amazing event. Not just the fact that serendipitously this thing had to be changed from Mexico City to the Coliseum, but that Monday night football game was one for the absolute ages, and the pregame ceremonies were spectacular. They did a they did a fantastic job acknowledging the the ridiculously difficult struggle that people have had here in the last. They couple sure weeks. did. They made L.A. proud. Absolutely. We'll go over the crazy stats that came out of last night. Unheard of in league history. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. I just uncovered a new song. Ready? Time out. Time out. Pause it. Pause it. What is that? He's saying, baby monkey, banana nanana. <laughs> You're damn right. Oh, my God. The end. Look at Blake's face. He hates everything. I'm still a little hurt by the last time when you guys introduced me to it. I ran home. I didn't run home. I drove home. I ran up to my niece and my nephew. I was like, guys, look at this great video I found for you because they're three and one and a half and played them the video and they're like, meh. And then like three weeks later, they're like, Bubba Blake, look at this great video. So I'm still a little. And you said, meh. No, I looked at him. I was like, I shoot. And then well, they'll away. love this one. Yeah. In three weeks, they will. Uh, <laughs> at 1230, when we get into Swamp Watch, we have a bunch we're going to get to, including the latest on the Michael Avenatti restraining order. Um, the 
Jamal Khashoggi story also where Secretary of State Mike Pompeo spoke this morning regarding what our response will be to Saudi Arabia for the death of this Saudi journalist, clearly ordered by the Saudi government and maybe as high as the crown prince of Saudi Arabia having called the shots on this. But uh, I don't it does not look like we're going to do anything. Well, start to finish last night, the game between two of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, and I, I really do believe. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but it's it's the Saints, it's the Rams, it's the Chiefs, and everybody else. Holy hell. I mean, that was insane last night. Did not disappoint. First game in NFL history where both teams scored 50 points. I don't know how you commit 13 penalties and are still able to rack up 50 points, but the Chiefs did. There were six lead changes in the fourth quarter alone. It was, and, and listen, if you all you did was watch the first, say, five or six minutes of the game, with the Rams up 13 nothing, it looked bad. I mean, and granted, it was not, you can't judge it on just those first few minutes, but it just didn't look like the Chiefs were there for anything. They didn't, they didn't show up. They had zero offense. And now that changed. Well, clearly, uh, the highest scoring Monday night game ever by far, the third highest NFL game in history and only missed by, say, another touchdown or so, and it, and it would have been the number one. 14 touchdowns, more than the Bills have all season long. I saw that stat today with a picture of Jared Goff side-by-side side with Nathan Peterman, and I thought, do we need to bring Nathan Peterman into all of this? I mean, he, he can't I catch a break. Enough. I mean, he was released three weeks ago. Can we just let the guy live out his life on the pasture in peace for the love? Poor Nathan Peterman. Anyway. This was insane. This is the seven-game series I'd like to see. You know what I mean? These two teams just facing off back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Because you, you know what? It would be the Rams one week. It would be the Chiefs the next, and, and on and on and on. It's hard to believe. I mean, as, as high-profile as the Rams are now, that this was the first, uh, first Monday night game since 1985 at the Coliseum. Right. It was the Raiders and the Chargers, I believe. Yeah. Um. And then, did I, you see Andy Reid also as yes, a kid? No, it was 1971. No. I just saw like him that. foaming at the mouth. No, no, no. They did like it was the only time he'd been in the Coliseum as a, as a head coach. But they showed him like in a, a punt, pass, and kick competition as a kid, and he's he's like seven feet tall compared to everyone really? else. The tiny little helmet holding on. Does he his, have a mustache? No, but he should have. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was very funny. Did you see him foaming at the mouth over that tipped pass? Oh, my oh losing his mind. It was great to watch. Um, I just got to ask, and I asked it earlier, though, if this is the future of the NFL with no defense and these inflated scores, is it going to get boring? Do we need some ingenuity when it comes to to coverage and, and how we're going to do things moving forward with the new rules that have kind of... Uh, handcuffed defensive backs. Well, safeties. So do you mean like would we change rules where you, there would be more con? They would allow more contact on the receivers. I, I don't know. Uh, some way around the rules, something has got to happen because this is exciting. It was a great game, the most exciting game I've ever seen. But that's exciting, though. Ronnie Lott was exciting too, and Ronnie Lott would be banned from the NFL today. I see. Like I, when Gary earlier <laughs> said. That home runs are never not exciting. I don't think that's true in the slightest. You yeah, think, I love a pitcher's mean? duel. Yeah, but, like, I don't – those games where it just turns into, like, hey, there were 10 home runs. I'm not kidding. After the fourth one, I stopped 
I stopped paying attention to everything because I just don't care And that's kind of how I felt in the fourth quarter. If yeah. it wasn't for the lead changes, I was kind of like, okay. Well, I'll, it's I'll, perfect I'll, for Sports Center. I'll give you that. Right. It's got to be a close game. You don't want an 11-2 to two baseball game where one team is hitting six or seven home runs. I get it. You want... Uh, uh, I like five to four games. Right. That's like right the, where that's the good that's like sweet spot. Four, three, five, four right there. I'll totally agree with that. This and I mean, I think to your point, Shannon, this was getting a little ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> it was a point where you get into the 40s and you reach a point where there's never been a game where both teams have scored that many points. The, I mean, the ones that were um, the only two games that were higher scoring than this in the history of the NFL were like 70 to 40. This is the first one that's ever had both teams score over 50 points. I'm interested to see what happens with the Chiefs when they face the Ravens. I'm interested to see what happens to the Chiefs when they face the Chargers. Uh, Real defenses here. Uh, Bobby Wagner and Seattle. I don't know. I don't know if... I don't know if if the Rams defense is... uh, is all that it's cracked up to be? I think Aaron Donald last night was was probably one of the more... Was probably the high, the third best player on that field. I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. Jared but. Goff, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, it was incredible. I don't know how he does that without any expression in his eyes. Completely like dead eyes. Like there's nothing there. No, there's no nothing, there. nothing behind there. It looks like, but apparently there's a brain going on, or maybe, maybe. This yes. Is, I'm going out on a limb. I'm here. listening. Sean McVay appears to be brilliant. Yes, no doubt about it. Do you think <gasps> that he used, like, he took part of his Mind brain control? and put it in a Manchurian candidate, Jared Goff? Yes. I just, I'm just spitballing here, just seeing. But I think I may be onto something. That would explain the dead eyes. All right, coming up next, we'll get you caught up on everything everyone is talking about everywhere and maybe a pants check. Pants. 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 Thank you. Why did that take so long, you people? Because he he was just staring at me without turning his mic on, and I can't see below the table, so I'm I got a little scared. I'm working on the show. I got my pants on. I always got my pants on. Mm. Very change. defensive tone things there, buddy. Things change. Gary Channel will continue. Shannon. Hey, the bottom of the hour, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. A couple things. Uh, we'll revisit this whole uh, Ivanka Trump using personal email to contact cabinet members, etc. we got to put it in context. Yes, it is uh, an above-the-fold story, but probably not for the reason that you think. Um, she's not going to jail. She didn't send classified information. It was just a stupid, stupid thing to do. The Dow right now down, wow, down 620 points right now as we enter the last hour of trading on what will be a shortened week when it comes to the stock market. So we'll talk about that uh, as well. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. What's up, my 
Well, the pressure is on in Northern California to find as many remains as possible, unfortunately. A gruesome task. The death toll at 79 people, and rain is on the way. Rain that could wash away the remains of hundreds of people still missing, and not to mention the threat of mudslides there in the fire areas of Northern California. A lot of places around that fire have been warned of flash flooding watches, uh, flash flood watches and warnings that have been issued already for the storm that will roll in tomorrow there. We will also see some rain in our fire areas, but definitely not to the same extent. They're talking about as much as four inches of rain over Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday up in the Paradise area. Well, we told you about this at the top of the show at 10 o'clock, and we'll dig into all the details for True Crime Tuesday coming up at 1 o'clock. But it looks like a cold case from 1969 has been solved. This was a case that haunted the Boston area for nearly 50 years, the murder of Jane Britton, 23 years old. This may be the oldest, I think, that we've seen in terms of uh, being solved through DNA. 1969. Unfortunately, the guy's dead. He died uh, 17 years ago, cancer. But we'll, we're finally getting the answers to a lot of questions that just hung around that area for decades. Big story that's trending nationally is this shooting from Chicago yesterday. A guy who shot a doctor, a pharmacy resident, and a police officer at a Chicago hospital yesterday had been kicked out of the city's fire academy for inappropriate behavior towards women. Juan Lopez entered Chicago's Firefighter Training Academy in March of 2014 and was terminated by May, officially for not showing up to respond to claims of aggressive and inappropriate behavior toward women. Yesterday, it turns out that he ended up shooting and killing a 38-year-old doctor, Tamara O'Neill, as she was leaving her shift at Mercy Hospital Medical Center. They had a relationship at some point. There was a report that she... Uh, that he was demanding that she give back an engagement ring. The engagement that she had called off in September. She was one of those people who lives to do good, pretty much. Uh, Raising money for vulnerable kids, spending a lot of time at church and with charities. So we'll talk about this a little bit at the bottom of the hour as well. But President Trump says the United States is not going to levy any additional punitive measures at the time against Saudi Arabia over the killing of that journalist, Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah, he said the uh, call for our country to cancel the $110 billion arms deal is foolish. It would only mean that Saudi Arabia would go to other countries to acquire them, so why not get the money? He also said that the uh, the king and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia have vigorously denied any knowledge of the execution in that uh, Turkish embassy, sorry, in the embassy in Turkey, and uh, even though the CIA basically says, oh, yeah, they knew it, and there's even a chance that the crown prince is the one who called the shot on that one. Uh, if you are planning on traveling back east, pack uh, what what people call coats or sweaters. Coat? Coat? Coat. coat. Yeah, watch my mouth. Coat. 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 What is that? Well, it's, uh, imagine like a Snuggie. Mm, okay. But a little thicker. A little shorter, so it doesn't cover all the way down to your ankles. It's you know about in your waist, mm-hmm. but you can put it on. And what it does is it makes the inside of you feel like an outside day at the beach. I feel like I almost needed one of those today because when I got in the car, it was only sixty-five degrees. If, but I settled for this is fleece. If anybody's <laughs> listening east of Denver, I, know. I hate you. Right I understand now. that. New York City has seen only three Thanksgivings since. 1870, when the high temperature did not reach 30 degrees, 
they're saying that this may be one of them, that this the coldest air of the year, or I should say the coldest air of this season, could come in on <laughs> on Thanksgiving, Co-at. which would mean that temperatures would hover in the mid chill, uh, mid-20s, and then wind chill would probably bring that down into the teens or single digits. That's co- what co- Thanksgiving co-at. is supposed to be. Coat. It, the A is silent. Cot. Coat. Coat. Long O. Coat. You you have any you should look up sweaters too. Sweaters. Yes, yeah, sweaters. That's what people wear also when it's mildly chilly. You love a guy's weekend. Don't you? Yeah. How about a guy's weekend where you bond over your vasectomies? This is apparently a thing. Ice packs for everyone. Hmm. Frozen peas all around. Pants. 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 Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. Looks like today, when the stock market closes, we could erase all of the gains we've made in 2018. Big tech companies continue to plunge. Oil stocks have been down. Energy companies down. Retailers fell. Target and some other companies had some weak results. So the Dow was down more than 600 points a few minutes ago. Right now it's down 550 at about 24,460 right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. I've got a bit of a PSA here. Yes. Huge warning about romaine oh, lettuce. I saw that. Unsafe to eat in any form, according to the CDC. This is a huge, broad alert in response to a new outbreak of illnesses caused by a particularly dangerous type of E. coli contamination. CDC saying throw away any romaine lettuce that you have purchased. Restaurants should not serve it. Stores should not sell it. People should not buy it no matter where or when the lettuce was grown. Doesn't matter, they say, if it's chopped, whole head, part of a mix, all romaine should be avoided. I think this may be a ploy by Big Iceberg to put romaine out of business completely. Or butter. Butter. (laughs) Or butter. Butter lettuce is delicious. Just to be safe, all romaine, according to the CDC, should be off of your Thanksgiving menu. It should be off of your Tuesday lunch menu. Yeah, just get rid of it. 32 people in 11 states have become sick from eating contaminated romaine. Of those, 13 have been hospitalized. One patient suffering from kidney failure. This wow. is serious. I wouldn't eat any lettuce. Well, I, I think they're just saying romaine. I know. Okay. I'm going to have pizza just to be healthy. Without E. coli. I've right. never had a salad for Thanksgiving dinner. It's never been a side option, nothing. Funny story. Yeah. Whenever my mom asks what she can bring for, for Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, she'll say, I'll bring a green salad. That's awesome. Great. Okay. Mom's down for the green salad. Now, when you say green salad, you mean like lettuce, right? No, no. When she means green salad, it's like. Cottage cheese, green no. jello, uh, pineapple. We- it's green. No. Nope. It's green. Nope. That's not what that means. No. Green means greens. Wait. Um, Who eats it? I have a follow-up. White people eat that. We all eat that. White people. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
Yes, Blake. You perfectly described my family, by the way, Blake. They happen to all be white. It's, um, yes, it's like extra you. white. We have a second. We have a follow-up question. Don't make me take the microphone away. You all eat it to be polite? That's really sweet. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, an adult like now, so I don't have to do or... that. I don't have to do it anymore. No. I used to make I used to enjoy it without the fruit and stuff in it. She puts extra in it. It's like weird. Huh. It reminds Wait, me of yes, you just said on. without the fruit. So the first two things you listed were cottage cheese, jello, and then you listed fruit. So you just ate cottage cheese and jello? Listen, Gary Don't knock it until so you try white, it. Dude. Gary has has uh, a long storied past when it comes to culinary decisions. <laughs> food, food is 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 my wild side. You are yes. a, a retiree no. at heart. <laughs> that is true. That is a truth right there. All right, let's talk about vasectomy, shall we? Oh boy, I did pick this story. You must be wanting to do this. Wanting to? Well, guys' weekend sounds to. nice. I, I know a lot of. I know a lot of guys who have had their uh, their tubes tied. You want to call it that? They're turning it into social activities with friends. I just that I don't understand. Well, you get it done, bam, bam, bam. Everyone gets the uh, soldering done, and then you recuperate together. Soldering. That's essentially what it is. God. Whenever you s- do, you smell that. They're calling it a brosectomy. I could do without that branding. Right. That is a little weird. But you figure, I mean, from beginning to end, outside of the pre-op shaving, Hmm. the surgery itself only takes a few minutes. Urologist Paul Turek coined the term brosectomy. So he's the one we should blame. Yeah, he pioneered. I bet if we Googled him, we'd know exactly what he looked like. Um He says he pioneered the strategy back in 2013 at his clinic here in California. He says he got the idea when he was surfing and realized that he felt more comfortable riding uncomfortably large waves when he was with his friends. Things are are better when someone's got your back, he says. I think the same feeling is present in brosectomies. Good friends sharing a potentially uncomfortable or anxiety-provoking situation make things better. Okay, that that I would agree. Agree with. For example, if I said to a friend, hey, I'm getting this done. Have you gotten it done yet? And they say no, but I was thinking about it. And I go, listen, why don't we just do it the same uh, weekend? Because then we can share stories or something. Like a couple's massage. Like, no. You commiserate? Now, now, this is where I would draw the line. I don't then want to be holed up in a hotel room with my buddy. <laughs> with- and you're both... Swollen. Right. Eating cottage cheese and jello. Yeah, feeling like <laughs> feeling like someone had k- kicked me in my region. Your mom bringing by her jello treats. The green yeah. salad. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a Now, I would plan it like they talk about a lot of times these guys will plan these brosectomies around a heavy sports weekend. Like the March uh, Madness. March Madness that's the finals. The most popular time, yeah. Um uh, the Masters. The golf tournament, uh, the opening of baseball, like the opening weekend of baseball season or, uh, I don't know, the all-star, whatever it is. I mean, the championship weekend for the NFL, all of those make perfect sense. But I'm not going to enlist my bros to change my ice pack with me. Well, you could binge watch something, you know, together. 
I guess, if there's not a big sporting event on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, below deck or something? Well, if you do it on a week, if you do it on a Friday, you've got college football all day Saturday, NFL games on Sunday. Right. And, and then below deck for, for Sunday night. If, you, know, if you did it in September or October, you could have baseball thrown in there as well. And depending on when, you have hockey and basketball starting up, at least preseason stuff. Bunch of ball games. Isn't that <laughs> ironic? I learned it from Monica. One doctor actually says there may be a medical benefit to this. Yeah, sure. He noticed, Psychologically. He noticed that guys who get brosectomies, and again, that's just the vasectomy with a buddy or two, they need fewer painkillers afterwards. And he says, my patients, my men, average two pain pills after the procedure, and a brosectomy patient averages zero to one pill. That's because guys want to be like, oh, it doesn't hurt me that bad. Time's out. I mean, time out, that is. Time out. My Here's ball game thing. is on point. The other thing is when you're with your bros yep. and you guys have just been kicked in the uh, in the nards by a donkey, you've just been soldered. You're going to you're going to crack open a few beers. Oh, there's that too. So <laughs> you're less likely to also pop a painkiller if you got four or five pops in you, laughing about the fact that it feels like a Mack truck drove through your pants. I have a question. Pants check. Sure. If you get brosectomies, pants, pants, and all of your buddies go to the same doctor. Is there a group rate? Could be. It could be. And again, it's it's a quick procedure. Outside, you get all the pre-op stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a you know, it's only a few minutes in yeah. there. Uh, Form a line. Get her done. Get her done. So we'll dive into Swamp Watch when we come back. Are you going to stop crouching down like that? What are you holding? What? Well, you're. Okay. What's important is that he I has I pants on. My junk. I don't know. Oh, what goes on over there. My hand is under I my see knees. your hand under okay. the desk. All right. I'm protecting myself. <laughs> totally. Let's uh, keep it highbrow, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah <I> like, <laughs> tell me when that happens, Nick. Tell me when oh, that happens. No. Uh, oh, uh, speaking of Swamp Watch and the email thing, somebody said they're going to investigate Ivanka. They're going to get all up in Jared's business also. Talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. I don't want to know, no, no, no. Who's taking you home, 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 home. I'm loving you so, 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 so. The way I used to love you, no. I don't want to know, no, no, no. Who's taking you home, 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 home. I'm loving you so, 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 so. Gary and Shannon. Tuesday, November 20th, a couple days before Thanksgiving, to a little bit later in the show, Neil Savage is going to talk to us about all of our last-minute stuff in terms of Thanksgiving and give us an eye towards, uh, say, I don't know, lunch on Thursday when we start cranking down those uh, Thanksgiving leftover turkey sandwiches. We'll also have to ask him more about this uh, new alert from the CDC that came down, a breathless alert. They're telling you to throw away all romaine lettuce. They don't care where it's from, when you got it. If you have romaine lettuce, throw it away. Because they're saying there's a massive CDC outbreak that they have not pinpointed yet in terms of the source. Doesn't matter where it was grown, when, it's just all bad. Get rid of it all. All right, uh, it's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. 
swap launch. It looks like a federal judge has barred the Trump administration from refusing asylum to the caravan people. President Trump issuing a proclamation uh, 11 days ago, circumventing immigration law, saying anyone who crossed the southern border between official ports of entry would be ineligible for asylum. But this ruling by U.S. District Judge John Tiger agreed with legal groups that immediately sued, arguing that U.S. immigration law clearly allows someone to seek asylum even if they enter the country between official ports of entry and it temporarily barred the ruling from going into place while the case is heard. Um, we're, we're dealing with these hundreds of people that have shown up on the border already. hope we get this thing figured out relatively soon. Um, the Jamal Khashoggi story continues to brew. This is the, uh, the story of the Washington Post journalist, longtime Saudi journalist who was uh, critical of the, the kingdom, or at least the government. He pleaded with four men to release his arm after he walked into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Yeah, these are his final words caught on tape. Release my arm. What do you think you are doing? That's not good. The four men said to be members of this Saudi hit squad that everybody believes now killed this, uh, killed the journalist. Then eventually decapitated him and cut up the rest of his body and disposed of it. A man identified as the leader of the team screamed, traitor, you will, bot- you will be brought to account. For 11 minutes, apparently, of this tape, you can hear the sounds of beating and torture before it goes silent for an hour and 15 minutes. Now, the, uh, the issue of whether or not President Trump would listen to this is perhaps um, telling. He said that he didn't want to listen to this. Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, the CIA top leadership have briefed the president on the evidence that they believe shows that the Saudi government was responsible for Khashoggi's murder. Mike Pompeo today called uh, Saudi Arabia a strong partner in a volatile Middle East. And President Trump said it could very well be that the crown prince had knowledge of the event, but he insisted that the United States will remain a steadfast ally of Saudi Arabia. So this is a very good chance. It sounds like we aren't going to do anything. <coughs> Bless you. We aren't going to do anything <coughs> as a result of this. How did it get louder? Uh, Weird. Yeah, there was a call for him to back out on $110 billion worth of arms deals. Um, and when you've got a business person in the White House, they're not going to choose the high road when there's $110 billion on the line. Um, they released a statement from the White House, um, it, which was uh, said to be written by the president. He says, I understand there are members of Congress who, for political or other reasons, would like to go in a different direction, and they are free to do so. I will consider whatever ideas are presented to me, but only if they are consistent with the absolute security and safety of America. After the U.S., Saudi Arabia is the largest oil-producing nation in the world. They've worked closely with us and have been very responsive to my requests to keeping oil prices at reasonable levels. And he says, as president, I intend to ensure that in a very dangerous world, America is pursuing its national interests and vigorously contesting countries that wish to do us home, uh, wish to do us harm. Very simply, it is called America first. 
So that's his uh, his statement on that. We've got a lot of White House contenders for 2020 with their arms reaching towards Iowa, trying to recruit political operatives to help them with their campaign in Iowa. Eric Garcetti is making noise, more noise, which is leading people to believe he is going to be running in 2020. And we'll get to that. But first, uh, the Michael Avenatti story. Remember, we told you that he was picked up on domestic violence and it looks like, you know, he came out, he said, I, I've, I've never done anything to women um, as, as ex-wives are on Twitter saying what a great guy he is. But now we're getting details of what happened there in Los Angeles between him and his actress girlfriend. Apparently, he dragged her out of bed, reportedly, called her an ungrateful effing B when the two were fighting over money. Her name's Morelli. Minuti, and she claims she was injured in their fight last Tuesday. She's been living with him in L.A. since January. She says that Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' attorney, uh, smacked her in the face with pillows. Well, that would be um, that would be consistent with him saying he's never hit a woman with his hands. True. Yanking her out of bed by the wrist of her right arm, according to a declaration filed in L.A. Superior Court. She said she was wearing only underwear at the time, suffered scratches to her back, some red marks on her legs. Photos of the alleged injuries were included with her official declaration. She's from Estonia. I've, I, uh, I've never been to Estonia. I have. Oh. They have these pancakes there. She, uh... You can get them savory or sweet. It's like crepe, but a little thicker, and they're huge. I mean, it could feed one of these things could feed your whole family. You may not and know so specialty there. The name Morelli Minuti, but she had a bit part in Ocean's Eight. I think I had a cheese, a, a cheese one, and then a, and then a sweet one. We'll get into these Democratic contenders. Why Eric Garcetti is making more noise, and somebody wants to talk to Ivanka about her emails. That's all coming up on Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon will continue. Monica has an update. Sugar on the I know you sent me the pictures. I saw them. Estonian pancakes. Yeah. Tell her, tell her, baby, 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 President Trump has been uh, taking questions on a bunch of different topics. He's at the White House making his way to Florida a little bit later, so he's been listening to uh, some questions. Dip into that real quick. Oh, you don't worry about the Thanksgiving. These are tough people. They know what they're doing, and they're great, and they've done a great job. You're so worried about the Thanksgiving holiday for them. They are so proud to be representing our country on the border, where if you look at what's happening, Mexico, the people from Tijuana are saying, wow, these are tough people. They're fighting us. They're in fistfights all over the place. These are tough people that are coming in. Now I understand they have 500 people that have been designated as, let's put it in a nice word, criminals. And these are the people that are coming in. No, you don't have people coming in. The order today is not, we can get around that very easily. What I do say, Ninth Circuit is, it's very unfair when everybody files their case in the Ninth Circuit. They file it for a reason. As far as the troops, 
They are proud to be on the border. They are proud to be defending our nation. And we're not letting people in. It's called catch and detain. It's not called catch and release like it has been for many years. For many years, they called it catch, catch and release. They don't call it that anymore. And our soldiers are doing an incredible job. And if you look at the walls that they're building, and if you look at all the barricades that they're putting up, they've done a great job. Do you have any reaction to Michael Avenatti being arrested for domestic violence? No, I wish him the best of luck. I wish him the best of luck. What about the markets? Do you agree with Larry Kudlow that we're not headed to a recession? No, I think we're doing great. I mean, as a country, we're doing great. Our unemployment is at a record low. Uh, you look at all of the different statistics. I think your tech stocks have some problems, but that'll come back. But no, I think we're going to do very well. I'd like to see the Fed with a lower interest rate. I think the rate's too high. I think we have much more of a Fed problem than we have a problem with anyone else. We're doing very well with China. Well, China wants to make Ask it about the lettuce. <laughs> no, I don't think that's an option. Uh, although I guess it is possibly an option. This lettuce thing is huge. It is very big. We're talking about uh, this uh, CDC announcement that all romaine lettuce needs to be thrown away. There is a massive E. coli outbreak and I guess a particularly dangerous strain, strain of E. coli <laughs> That is causing problems, and they're saying that if you have romaine lettuce, if you see romaine lettuce, if you know romaine lettuce, look set away. it on fire. Look away. Do not look at it. Set throw it, on it away. Fire. Yeah. yeah, burn it in a field. Yeah, but uh, or in the middle of the street. Give it to your enemies. Mm. Oh, I don't think this is good just advice. Kidding. None of that's good advice. They just say throw it away. It doesn't matter where it's from, when it was packaged, anything like that. Because they have not been able to narrow down where they believe this romaine lettuce was supplied from. They're just telling you to get rid of all romaine lettuce. I don't know why the Associated Press continues to interview Jennifer Palmieri, a former top aide to Hillary Clinton's campaign, because that was a dumpster fire. And I don't know why you go back to that well, but the Associated Press did. Interviewing her about the importance of Iowa when it comes to the 2020 campaign. She says there are going to be so many candidates. The Iowa staff primary is more important this cycle than perhaps any other cycle on the Democratic side. Hmm. (laughs) The first caucus of the 2020 Democratic presidential nominating campaign is already being talked about. Uh, It's been two weeks since the election and potential contenders have been trying to ramp up their effort to recruit political operatives that could help them in Iowa. Yeah, I mean, Cory Booker, Cory Booker has been aggressive in reaching out to potential staffers. Kamala Harris, uh, Deval Patrick, the former Massachusetts governor, they've all been making those phone calls to these people who know and work in Iowa. Here are some lesser known names. Uh, Maryland Representative John Delaney. He already has 10 staff members in Iowa with plans to have at least 30 scattered across eight field offices by January. Let's see who else. Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, relatively new name to this discussion. He's been in contact with some influential Democrats in Iowa. Andrew Cuomo. We're going to are we going to see 15 candidates like we saw on the Republican side? And don't they realize that's a horrible idea? I don't know. Um, I think you are. I think you are. I think the fact that there were so many newcomers that did well in the midterms is going to fuel people to thinking that they've got a shot at this thing. um, One of those people happens to be Eric Garcetti, 
And although he's not mentioned in this article regarding Iowa people, we know he's been to Iowa. Remember, we have a lot in common with Iowa. We've got the USS Iowa out there in San Pedro. He did a a sit-down interview with Daily Mail TV. So uh, throw that in your pie and cook it because that's ridiculous tabloid television. But he decided that that was a good outlet for him to practice what we believe will be a stump speech for him. And I'm going to read to you some of his quotes. He says no rational person would run would run for president, but says that his experience in office means he understands the sacrifice needed to stay a real person, that he understands the importance of humanity and compassion and and he says it breaks my heart to see a country that is told that we are divided, that we don't know how to talk to each other, that we are either red or blue. Heartland or coastal? I think all of that is false. We know how to speak each other's language. It doesn't matter whether we come from whether it is the Midwest or from Mexico. Oh, God, for the love. Time out. You hear what he just said? It doesn't matter yes, if you I come did. from America or another country. You're going to hear a lot of that. This is a loving place that everybody belongs. And so... 20, again, this is his stump speech. And so 20 years from now, I hope we are all well back to that place where we are unified, where we are thinking about how we can win the future again, and we are getting stuff done. Less talk, more action. Pants check? Pants. 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 We're going to have to come up with something. Who was ever the last to do a pants check? Ooh. What has to take well, off yeah, their pants? Oh, yeah. No, Monica. Yes. No, Nick and I have the average furthest distance from face to mic, though. Well, then yeah. get ready to take off your. That's hey. No, wow. Right. Oh, we'll move away. It was Monica's idea. I'm calling no. HR. I'm just gonna walk right down there. I think HR should just set up an office. Where there. is HR? Right by our boss's office. Oh. Right there, you just walk straight down the hall and you'll walk right into it. Right. Honestly, the further the better when it comes to this show. <laughs> uh, I wanted to just throw this in there and mention this. Uh, there are reports that Ivanka Trump was exchanging hundreds of emails, government official government emails, using a personal email account. Um, the excuse is that they never really told her how to do this before she got her position in the White House. And that she set up an email address, she and uh, Jared, an email address, just to handle some of this business. Never intended, of course, to share classified information or anything like that. But already, Democrats who will take over the House next year have said that they will promise of an investigation. And that it, they said it wouldn't be a spectacle like the Republican-led investigation into the Clinton email probe. So it should take them approximately mm, 17 minutes to do that investigation and then close it and say, eh, you know, no big deal. Huge 1 o'clock hour coming up. We've got True Crime Tuesday making a return to the show with a cold case that has haunted Boston for decades. Also, Tasty Tuesday along the way with Neil Saavedra all about the correct time to eat Thanksgiving dinner, how to avoid the Thanksgiving mistakes that you can stumble into and what to do with those leftovers next on the gary and shannon show
Shannon. I once took a flight that was Hello Kitty themed. Mm. That gem from earlier in the day. That's going to stick with me for a while, I think. Picturing Mollenbeck on an airplane that is Hello Kitty themed. Yes. And did he know it was Hello Kitty themed before he got on the plane? No. Did he book it thinking, oh. I need to get me some Hello Kitty? Maybe, but I don't think we should judge that. Hello Kitty is a magical world. Hey, uh, it's gonna hate. Yeah, exactly. Closing bell on Wall Street, not good. Dow closed down 554 points, 24,463. Yeesh. Yeah. Not good. That wipes out basically all of uh, the gains that we've had up to this point. Uh, NASDAQ was down 120 points. The S&P 500 was down 49 points. So all of them right around that 2% range. Hey, oil was down uh, $3.84 to 53 bucks a barrel. Why are we still paying $4 a barrel? The or, other, sorry, $4 a gallon for our, for our oil. The other big story, and I don't think we can mention it enough, Stay away from romaine lettuce. Doesn't matter when you got it or where it was grown. It's all bad, they're saying at this point, because they can't pinpoint where the bad lettuce came from. It is a dangerous E. coli outbreak. 32 people in 11 states affected. About a third of them hospitalized because of this. Yikes. Uh, All right. This is a story that um, we, we love these cold case stories. And because we've seen DNA make incredible strides within the last 12 months, There have been a number of cases that have been solved, whether it's uh, the Golden State Killer up in the north, uh, northern California or others that we've seen from around the country. This is probably the oldest, I think, that we've talked about. This dates back to January 1969. Jane Britton and her murder have haunted the Boston area for decades since 1969. She was 23 in 1969. She was studying anthropology at Harvard. She was living in an apartment complex on University Avenue. This is a building that sits just outside Harvard Square, not far from the Charles River. So it's January 6th, and she goes to dinner with some of her classmates at a popular old spot in Cambridge, long since closed, but at the time it was the happening place. She stopped at home to change clothes and went out to Cambridge Common to go ice skating with her boyfriend. They say it was a beautiful, perfect January date night. Super simple, relatively early night. Um, He walks her home. The boyfriend walks Jane home, and he goes home at about 1030. She goes across the hall for a glass of sherry with some friends, apparently, before going back to her apartment at about 1230 in the morning, January 7th. The next day... She is due in class for an exam, and she's not there, which was very much unlike her. So her boyfriend thought something immediately was wrong, and he goes to her apartment. It's shortly after noon the next day, and he discovers Jane lying face down in her bed, clearly beaten and strangled to death. So... The mystery, obviously, I mean, assuming I would as a detective think that the boyfriend may have had something to do with it. For one thing, he was the last to see her, and then he was the one who discovered the body. Turns out that they ruled him out relatively quickly. She had been hit a number of times. She had fractures in her skull, contusions, lacerations of the brain. She was hit in the head that caused the hemorrhaging, and she was sexually assaulted as well. DNA from that sexual assault was collected. In 1969, 
But at the time, no technology that would allow for that to connect anyone to the killer. Some neighbors told detectives the next day they heard somebody running down the fire escape that was connected to her apartment. And a a second witness said that they saw a six-foot-tall man running in the street outside the apartment at about 1.30 in the morning. Remember, she said uh, uh, her friends across the hall said she left their place at about 12.30. And that was kind of it. That was kind of all they had to go on for the next, you know, 50 years or so. But then there was this weird detail that distracted investigators, they say. There was a red powder scattered all over the apartment. This was weird because in, I mean, now we look at it and it is a weird detail. A few days after the murder, when this was just absolute talk of the town on campus and around Cambridge, the Cambridge Police Department said they were going to stop talking about it. Like three days into this thing, there had been enough rumors and enough details out there that were wrong about this case. They said they were going to stop talking about it. But in the Harvard Crimson, the student newspaper there, they said that they were speculating that this killer was performing an ancient burial rite over Jane's body because they found iodine oxide, this red powder, on the walls and ceiling and floor of the apartment and on her body. And then said that they think that that might have been an ancient burial rite similar to one performed by primitive tribes in Iran and France. A distraction. Absolutely. Uh, Eventually, investigators just explained it away because it's probably part of her anthropology studies. And this was used as as a clay earth pigment. Um, And it may have been scattered around the place in in a struggle between the two of them. Well, the big announcement from a few hours ago was that Middlesex County DA Marion Ryan came out and explained they found a match. They now know who did it. And when we come back, we'll play for you part of her press conference from this morning and talk about how exactly they were able to connect this case. It's almost 50 years ago that Jane Britton was killed, how they were able to connect this case and what it means going forward. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, on this uh, Tuesday, November 20th, otherwise known as the day the romaine died. Yeah, don't touch the romaine lettuce, no matter where you see it. Don't even think about it. Yeah, not only our um, FDA commissioners, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and Canada's provinces of Ontario and Quebec and the official Canadian government, all of them saying that you should avoid eating romaine lettuce. Period. Not specifically, they're saying that it's different than when one that uh, the strain of E. coli is different than one that was linked to romaine earlier this year, similar to one linked to leafy greens last year. But they're saying they don't have information to request suppliers to issue a recall. But supermarkets, restaurants should take romaine off the menu, off the shelves until contamination can be identified. And if you have romaine lettuce anywhere near you, you should throw it out of the window of your car or throw it in the garbage. Yeah, that's probably, probably the better way to throw it in the garden. Yeah. Monica told you earlier to set it on fire. Also not safe. Well, we're talking about the cold case, the murder of Jane Britton, that was cold since the morning of January 7th, 
1969, when her body was found, she had been bludgeoned, strangled, and sexually assaulted, and they did not have anybody connected to this thing until late last year. Marion Ryan is the district attorney in Middlesex County, and she today took to the podium to explain that it was October of 2017. Massachusetts State Police Crime Lab was I was finally able to make a DNA profile from the samples that were collected from back in 1969. There is a problem with stuff that's that old is that it can break down. It can be um, rendered useless just through the matter of time. But they said that using DNA technology and good, hard investigative work, they had a breakthrough in terms of where they are. DNA left in place by itself doesn't necessarily lead you to a conclusion, she said. It's all the investigative framework that goes with it. The profile they made of DNA matched a profile that already existed in the system. The Combined DNA Index System is a national database. It's run by the FBI, and it catalogs the DNA of profiles of of people convicted of crimes. And the profile made last year came back to a man named Michael Supner. This guy had, now he has since died, but he had been linked to a series of other rapes and rape and murders. For, For example, here's what she said today. This is the third homicide, which has been linked to Michael Sumter since the time of his death. In 2010, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office was informed that Mr. Sumter's DNA was a match to DNA taken from the 1972 rape and murder of 23-year-old Alan Rutchick in her Beacon Street apartment. And in 2012, a second CODIS hit matched Mr. Sumter to evidence taken from the 1973 rape and murder of 24-year-old Mary Lee McLean in her Mount Vernon Street apartment in Boston. And again, those were done, those matches were made 10, 12 years after this guy died. This was a guy who lived in the area as a kid. He dated a girl in the area in the mid-60s. And in 1967, he was working on Arrow Street, which is just about a mile from Jane Britton's apartment. Three years after Jane's murder... He was arrested and convicted of physically assaulting a woman that he had met at um, a uh, uh, Harvard Square bus station. But in 1975, he was out of jail already. He raped a woman in her apartment in Boston, and then he was sent to prison for 15 to 20 years. He was free when he died of cancer, by the way. He had been paroled 13 months before he died. Little did they know they had paroled a guy connected to three murders. This isn't um, the I think the hard part about this is that this guy was on their radar before, not just because of his connections to other rapes and murders in that area. But previous DNA testing had generated what they call a soft hit on him. It wasn't conclusive, but this time. With technology advancing the way it has, they've been able to use the newer technology, get a more specific DNA profile from the original swabs that were collected from the body, which matched Sumter's DNA profile on a law enforcement database. Here's the other thing. They were able to track down a new DNA sample 
from this guy's brother who was still alive, which also pointed out or pointed specifically to it being Michael Sumter and not his brother. So all of this goes into the fact that they say that the testing excludes 99.92% of the male population. You add some of the coincidental stuff, including the fact that he lived in the area, he potentially worked in the area, and was connected to other crimes in the area. The DA says this is clearly our guy, and this is clearly case closed at this point. The the nature of this being a cold case, by the way, and I always like to point out, is not for lack of trying. It wasn't that the investigators sucked or uh, just didn't feel like paying attention to this. They they devoted significant resources to this murder. Um, they spent hours upon hours going through her phone directory, her diary for names of people to interview. They had her boyfriend. They had her neighbors taking lie detector tests. They filmed her funeral. This was a case that also got a lot of attention because there was such a public records battle. The police didn't want to talk about it. The investigative files were kept very close to their vest. Prosecutors refused to release much more than old news clippings. So it kind of took on a hard-to-get kind of quality to it. There was a woman who was working on a book about the case called We Keep the Dead Close. And it was set to be published late next year or early 2020. There are makers of TV shows that are developing documentary series about the case. I think the uh, the thing we can't also can't ignore is her family that is still living. Mo- most of her family died a while ago, but she has a brother who actually lives here in California. He's a vicar at an Anglican church in Santa Barbara. And he, in an email, wrote, A half century of mystery and speculation has clouded the brutal crime that shattered Jane's promising young life and our family. The DNA evidence match may be all we ever have as a conclusion. Learning to understand and forgive remains a challenge. And that's coming from someone who works in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. That's good news. We've well, got... I, I can't wait to do more of those stories. I love it when when a investigation like that can finally be closed. I agree. Yes. Um, we have a big week going on, guys. Why? What's the... It's Thanksgiving week. And you, my friend, are on the hot seat because you are going to have a bunch of family over. No, they're you there. You can't screw them. They're the... here. They're, right they're there. Everybody's yeah. there. Everyone's there now. Did huh? I mention we're dog sitting also? You signed up for a lot of commitments this week. Yeah. Well, I got to justify my drinking habit. I believe that was not the instruction from your wife. No? No. What was the instruction from my wife? To not? Oh, I did. I don't have to. Right. Uh, paste over my feelings with a 12-pack. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Pants um, check. Because you know how you get. Pants check. Pants. 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 Nick. You're Nick. bringing up the end there, bro. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Neil Saavedra is going to join us, the Fork Reporter. Last minute Thanksgiving. We're going to highbrow it up. And let's look forward to uh, Thanksgiving uh, turkey sandwiches the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Don't dry that thing out. Gary and oh, Shannon will continue wow. in just a moment. What? What? Gary and Shannon, 
Terrible day on Wall Street. Weak results from retailers mounting losses for tech companies have pushed the market back into the red for the year. Energy companies down because of a 7% plunge in the price of oil. Crude on track for its biggest loss in three years. Yuck. Updates on the uh, the fires. We do expect to see the Woolsey fire get under complete containment, 100% uh, surrounded on that one by Friday. And authorities up in Northern California have been using a rapid DNA test to uh, help identify people killed in the Northern California fire. That death toll is now at 79. Still about 700 names on that uh, missing or unaccounted for list up there. Uh, and then finally, the president says we're probably not going to levy any additional punitive measures against Saudi Arabia over the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. The president said that the United States does not condone the killing, but said it would be foolish to cancel $110 billion in arms sales with the Saudis because they would just go other somewhere else to acquire them if necessary. Well, it is 1.30 on a Tuesday, which means we hook up with our friend, Fork reporter, Neil Saavedra. Love that guy. Pants check. Can you start with Wait, the... yeah, pants, 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 pants. pants. Oh, yeah, I've got pants. No, no, no. I forgot how to do this segment, but I'm back I now. I reminded you to get the food joke take ready? a week off or something? Hey, Nick. Yeah, Shannon? What's the best thing to put into a pie? I don't know what. Your teeth. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> oh, really? Really? What's the matter with you? The love of God. Get yourself together. Okay, I have to tell this story on the air Let me teach you because we were just talking about this, and uh, you should know this. So I've got, I go to this same site for food jokes every week, and it's got different categories of uh, apple jokes, banana jokes, uh, you know, whatever. It's alphabetized in order, and you just go down the line. So I pick a, a food, and, uh, and today I picked pie because we're all going to be having pie for Thanksgiving. And tucked into these innocuous, cute little elementary school level jokes are the sickest jokes I have ever read. And for can, example. No, we oh. cannot even do for example. For I read example. you <laughs> I read you some of them off the air, but anyway. I don't remember them. You'll have to read well, them. Well, like again. W- no, I don't think I can. No, do that. it was rough. <laughs> and and then that. the one you read sounded like <clears throat> it was like going to go, like yeah. go somewhere, right? Yeah. So that's why the chuckling. Let's be safe on this Thanksgiving. Let's make sure that we don't burn our homes down. If you're going to do your, uh, if you're going to deep fry your turkey, do it way away from the house. Oh, and don't serve romaine lettuce. Joe has tweeted us pictures from the supermarket of just huge stocks of romaine lettuce. Oh, great. Great. He's calling it hashtag death lettuce. Uh, and wondering, by the way, which is a really good question, Neil, how far can E. coli jump? I mean, there are green onions right up against those stalks of romaine. Do we stay away from those green it, onions? I don't think it jumps. No? Like that, no. All right. But it is quite tiny, and that's why uh, Chris Little, our uh, infamous news director, was asking me about washing it. And you really can't wash it. You it's can't so wash away small, E. coli. It's, it's such a small amount that, uh, that you're dealing with. It, Isn't that Darwinism at that point? Like, don't you just say, Chris, do you really need lettuce that badly? Smoking is still the number one cause of preventative death. There's a lot of people that that ignore simple things. Yeah. Don't eat romaine right now. Just don't. And throw it away. 
They're not toss saying that. Yeah, no. they're saying toss it. They're saying supermarkets should toss it. Restaurants shouldn't serve it. You shouldn't have it in your house. You should put that fork down and throw that in the garbage. And it's not just in one particular form, so keep that in mind. Um, mixed lettuce, if it has romaine in there also. Um, ask if you're getting a, a salad if it has any romaine in the mixed because some people think, oh, well, no, it's just mixed. And if you want to be dramatic about it, wait until the waiter serves you the salad, then ask if it has romaine in it. And if they answer yes, then you throw the bowl. Yeah. And just then, to be dramatic, yeah. just to make a point. And then stomp out. Right. You almost killed me. Right. You'll be hearing from my attorneys. Who are you, Handle? That's yeah. what he would do. Oh, yeah. He's probably at a restaurant ordering romaine right now. Actually, he'd probably eat it out of curiosity. Just to see what E. coli does to a guy? Yeah. Um, Other safety tips besides staying away from the romaine. Mm -hmm. Well, Gary mentioned the (laughs) the guys. Guys are not super bright. I mean, I like guys. (laughs) I like like being a guy. But really, we we get grayer, our hair thins, our skin wrinkles, but we are exactly who we were when we were seven. And it doesn't change. We we've got more more folding money, yeah, and and that's about it. More hair, yeah. Just it's just yeah, on our backs Most maybe it, not yeah, on the yeah, head, not on yeah. the head, but. but it's just guys do not mature, and so when they say things like I I want to fry the turkey this year in a vat of boiling oil, which was technically a medieval weapon. At one point, like it was it was like something you used to thwart people taking over your kingdom and guys go, yeah, and the and I'm going to do it on the deck (laughs) that's made out of wood. It's really not smart. If you're going to do that, it's delicious, by the way, if you're going to do that, learn a little bit about uh, water displacement and um, it works the same with oil, meaning that like in a tub. If you get into a tub, the water raises, you put a 20-pound turkey into a vat of uh, boiling oil, make sure that it's not going to overflow. Because the minute it overflows, it gets into the flame, and it torches, and it goes up quick. So um, do a test with water uh, prior to see what the the level of the oil needs to be and all those things. Yeah, and I was going to say there are plenty of videos that exist on YouTube of people doing that. Also, if it's it's frozen still, if it's got the ice crystals in it and you throw it in the boiling oil. So what ends up happening is water and oil don't mix, right? Well, water and hot oil are even worse. Now you freeze that water and you have an instantaneous reaction between the hot oil and these um, shards of water glass that is horrible. And it sputters and splatters. Um, frying is a dehydration method. So it's trying to pull all the, the liquid out. And so when you have frozen, uh, you've got a frozen turkey in there, then it ends up wanting to get all that liquid out all at once. Hey, how long can you keep stuff out? Uh, you know, people. <laughs> I put... love that question. It's like, because people like, uh, um, they go to do a picnic or something and they go, oh, well, if it's. Just leave it out there, and then everybody yeah. gets sick. Right. Uh, two hours on normal temperatures. If it's a 90 or above, only one hour. But two hours should cover you on most things. The temperature or the danger zone is between 40 degrees and 140. So anything lower than a, a 40 degrees is refrigeration or freezing. Anything above 140 is cooking or holding. And uh, 
if it's in that danger range, which leaving it out would be between 40 and 140 degrees, unless you have some really wicked heater at the house. Right. <laughs> um, and you want to make sure that it is it's uh, covered and put in the fridge within two hours. Got it. When we come back, let's talk about leftovers because everyone's going to have food left over for Thanksgiving. You won't. You've got 62 people at your house. I guarantee you I will have food left over on Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about what to do in terms of uh, maybe spicing it up if uh, the old uh, sandwich, turkey sandwich starts to get a little old. We'll talk about how you can spice Never. it up. Your Thanksgiving you may need leftovers. to get three of the cranberry cans. For what? Well, if you only have two and... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Nobody you else. get one just Nobody for else. your own? You're yeah. like, there's just one for daddy and then... Yes. Okay. And then one for the team. One for the coach and one for the team. Like when you go through the drive-thru <laughs> and your wife says she doesn't want fries, you just order a second fry because you know she's going to want your fries? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Gary and Shannon will continue. Neil Savedra, the Fork Reporter, has joined us. Shannon, joined by Neil Saavedra, host of the Fork Report. Hear him, uh, actually, you'll hear him Thursday morning. Oh, yeah, the, uh, in for handle. Special in for handle. Oh, that's always so much fun. <laughs> Giving uh, m- marginal cooking advice and telling you you have no base. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, also, uh, Mo Kelly's show on Saturday is going to feature small business in honor of Small Business Saturday. So... Uh, make sure that you can, if you've got a small business, you want to shout out, go sign up. Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword either Mo Kelly or you can do Small Business Saturday. Uh, get your information out there so Mo can talk about your uh, small business. Not to put it down, not to belittle it, but to talk about your business that's just not, you know, Fortune 500 or anything like that. Uh, we're talking with Neil Savedra about Thanksgiving stuff. And let's talk about let's talk about when we're done. We're packing everything up for the night. We're full, maybe a little tipsy. Things that we're going to have to do to make sure that we get these leftovers correct. I mean, storage is, you know, storage that, is the easy one. Don't let things sit out longer than two hours. Get it into the fridge because people will leave that carcass out forever. Oh, yeah. Ever. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And the pies, too, right? I mean, you should at least refrigerate well, them. Well, here's there. the thing with the pie. They're, they're mostly custard-based if you're dealing with uh, something like a pumpkin pie. Uh but there's so much sugar in them that they hold pretty well outside of that normal range of two hours. Right. I wouldn't freak out if a pie has been sitting out or something like that. But when it comes to f- flesh, mm. yeah, get that stuff in the fridge. I did that for, for Deborah because uh, <laughs> she, saw, <laughs> she saw us walking earlier and she said, oh, what you got? I go, flesh. Ew. Sorry. Yeah, she doesn't eat the flesh. No. Um, but when it, I mean, when it comes to making those sing the next day or into next weekend, sitting down for the, some good football games on Saturday for college, the the old turkey sandwich, you've already had four of them by that point on Saturday. You and gotta, they're great. Oh, don't get me wrong. I could live on them for a week if the turkey lasts mm. that long, although safety-wise it probably shouldn't. But About four days. Um, but how do we mix it up? How do we... Uh, you know, you could do a lot of things. Uh, every you you got to think of it this way: you're you're going to start losing liquids because it's going to dry out in the refrigerator and things like that. So find something. Soups are great. Stews are great. Pot pies are fantastic. Matter of fact, you can use the leftover gravy 
as your base for the pot pie oh, and yeah. throw in stuff in there. Oh, it's great. And, and you can even put those in uh, your pie shells and throw them in the freezer, and then you can heat them up later. Uh, tacos, you uh, uh, throw them into some oil, uh, little bits of the, the turkey and oil. There's all kinds of things you can do. I'm a fan of adding uh, liquid, doing something that's going to keep it moist. Otherwise, it'll start to dry out if you start to cook it again or even reheat it to the point temperature. It, you, technically, you should be reheating it again to 165, all leftovers. Um, but it can dry them out. So try and do something where you're adding in either stock, if you have leftover stock, um, chicken stock, turkey stock, vegetable stock, back into it. It's great with eggs, making an omelet. Ooh. You can do it for pizza toppings, flatbreads, all kinds of stuff. Man. Matter of fact, the pumpkin works out great. If you've got yams, puree those yams, and you can use that as a sauce on top of a flatbread, and then some of your turkey slices on there. Oh, Do you know night. the lesson, Gary, that you and I never learn? I can think of a few, but I'm not sure which well, one. Well, the one I'm thinking about in particular right now is we never eat food product before Neil comes in. And it's about this time oh. where we can audibly <laughs> hear both of our stomachs. Well, there, I feel like there used to be a time when he loved us and would bring us things to talk about. Was you know, there? i got to start doing that because it is around lunchtime. I'll bring in food. You don't need to bring in food. Yeah, we can do like a whole thing on romaine, lettuce. No, we'll be fine. <laughs> so we'll time ourselves, see how long it takes before we have to go to the, the loo. Sounds like a- it's like that Jim Gaffigan Hot Pocket bit. You have to eat the Hot Pockets on the toilet. Nick is so pissed off. Our producer hates us today. He tried to he tried to keep the show he on. He did track. several times. But it was when we it was the first pants check. Pants check. Pants. 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 I don't understand what the pants check is. Well, then you lose. I didn't hear much of the show today. Oh. After, after after you mentioned John Cobelt ha- being digitally probed on the air. Yeah, we did mention and that. And then mentioned your testicles, I was out. Yeah, we started off the show talking yeah. about that. Then actually. I was out. About my testicles? Yeah, this show never had a no, chance. No, it was about you being digitally probed on the air. Oh, right. Oh, 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 on a bathroom floor yeah. when you got a prostate check or whatever. Yeah. Why would you want to <laughs> walk down memory lane? <laughs> Why would you pick that out? <laughs> God, I don't know. What's coming up on the show today? <sighs> it seems to be your fondest memory, isn't it? <laughs> I, uh, what's coming up on the show? I don't know why I do this. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a guy on who's uh, first lawsuit against SoCal Edison. We're gonna have his attorney on coming up because the deluge of lawsuits are gonna begin billions of dollars. All right, adult billions talk. Yes, smart thing coming up next. All right, John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Well, goodbye. And don't think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven because it hasn't. Gary and Shannon. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCU. Anyway.